You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, we have been not really in a series of sermons, but sort of, yes. Uh, We've been emphasizing now for this third Sunday, the church and the activities of our church and the opportunities of our church. So what we did was the first Sunday, we introduced the theme. It's exciting. I could preach on this theme, I think, every Sunday because that's how excited I am about what it is going to produce in our church family, discipleship. And so this is the year of discipleship. There's a whole lot more coming. Uh, one of the things you need to get a hold of is the calendar, and it's available. It's at the usher's desk. It's in the atrium, the lobby, all of it. It's all around, Capaches. You can get as many as you'd like. We want to get rid of all of them in the month of January if possible. So grab two or three, a handful, and post them in different places. Just gives you some heads up on a lot of great opportunities. And then, of course, the discipleship program is is geared up. It's rolling. It's moving. It's going to get bigger. We're excited about that. Last Sunday, we approached stewardship in the church, generosity, giving, not just as Pastor Butch mentioned of our resources, our, our finances, but in other areas as well. And how that abundant life is something God wants all of us to live. And so we got connected to that. And we're, we're really praying for God to give us a generous church this year to the, to the kingdom. It's exciting. This Sunday, we're talking about understanding the work of the ministry. And initially, that may sound like, I don't know, it could be a, a little boring maybe. You might think, okay, you know, is this going to be somewhat of a, of a, of a message just for a few people in the church? The work of the ministry. Not at all. This is a beautiful truth, and it's something... That word, understanding, is the key word. It really is. It's probably more important than the word work and the word ministry in the title because truly, I'm, we're on a journey. This is a process, and this morning's message is really different than any message I've ever preached on serving in the church. I've, I've never approached it like this. And I'll confess some things at the very end of the service as a way of you understanding my heart. In the midst of this passage in Ephesians 4, when we read the text, there's a statement in the text that says, we are to speak the truth in love. And I really do feel as if we have a history at Gospel Light of speaking the truth in love. And yet I do also feel like there's been times where we've been a little pushy. Maybe we've been, there's been more pressure, more guilt-ridden sermons in our environment. Those are obviously things that sometimes we, we experience in our in our church history, but we grow. And the beautiful thing about growth is that all of us are doing that together. You're going to see it in the passage in just a moment. But to help me explain the message, I got a tool. And the tool is short videos that our staff has put together to help us understand the work of the ministry. So what do you say we start with one of those? Okay, here we go. A little quicker, guys. <laughs> Good morning, Gospel Light. Josiah Capese here, your children's pastor over the Kids Light Ministry, which is our first through fifth graders. And pastor this morning is talking about the work of the ministry. And so I want to invite you, our church members, to be a part of that work. And I want to invite you on Sunday mornings. There's two opportunities for Kids Light at the 9 a.m. service and at the 1045 service to come up there and love on some children and show them the, uh, the love of Christ. Jesus said to uh, that, let the little children come unto me and forbid them not, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. So I want to invite you to come and experience a little bit of that kingdom uh, with me um, either at 9 a.m. or at 1045 a.m. and uh, love children to Jesus.
the work of the ministry. We're going to understand that and many other things as we move along in the message. So let's start with the statistics, shall we? Sometimes statistics can be a little bit, uh, they can be a little bit discouraging. This is one of those. This is a statistic, statistic. Am I saying that right? All right, good. You got to kind of say it like statistic. All right. My family makes fun of how I say certain words, and that's one of them. Okay. All right. So I'm going to get roasted or toasted at lunch today, but that's okay. You don't have to feel sorry for me. Uh, But we can get somewhat discouraged. This is one of those for me because, are you ready for this? 80 to 85% of the churches in America have either plateaued or they're declining. That's just not a stat I want as a pastor to to believe, but it's true. I mean, this this is more than one source on this. 80 to 85% of all churches in America have either plateaued, they're just kind of maintaining, they're coasting, they're, they're just keeping the doors open, or they're actually in decline. And thousands are closing their doors. I mean, some churches are starting, but many more, it seems, are closing their doors. I remember when it was 450,000 churches in America just not long ago. So we're, we're losing, not gaining. Why is that? Well, just a couple of suggestions, maybe because of their past. Tradition. We've just always done it that way, and we're not going to change. And so churches oftentimes will say, you know, hey, it'll, we'll die before we change. And they may ha- that may happen before they know it, you know. But oftentimes, it's, it's tradition. It's the past that contributes to the plateauing or declining of a church. I think another thing that we need to consider this morning is is pragmatism. Pragmatism is simply this. Whatever works. What do the people want? Whatever pays the bills. You know, we just got to kind of go with it. I mean, if it works, we'll do it. If it, you know, if if we need to change it, we'll do it. Whatever we need to do, keep the doors open. Keep the people happy. Another thing might be apathy. So many Christians, maybe you've experienced this in, in, in your life as a Christian attending church, just kind of going through the motions. Church becomes a check mark. I went. Yeah, I, I went to church. And so we begin to look at church as simply this pit stop during the week that we come and we check in and check out. And that's it. I, I'm just suggesting those could be a few of the reasons why this statistic is so skewed and so, so bad. So what should a church base itself upon, not a trick question? Anybody want to tell me? What should a church base itself upon? The Word of God. Jesus, the Word of God. Exactly. And if a church is basing itself upon the Word of God, then I can tell you God has good things in store for that church. A church should always base itself upon God's Word. Another statistic that's kind of discouraging is... My wife and I will celebrate 29 years as pastor of this church in June. It's not discouraging because I've been here for 29 years. It's discouraging because, man, I'm getting old. Whoa. 29 years in one place, you know. And, again, I, I think about that. But then I, I, I remember that, wait a minute, the statement I just made about basing the church upon God's word is truly what we've been doing. We've not always... We've not always got everything right. We've not dotted every I, crossed every T. But I can assure you, Ephesians 4, speaking the truth in love, attempting to grow in God's word, understand it better, has been a journey for all of us, including your pastor. And so we have a passage before us here today that speaks to the life of a church. It's an amazing passage. 
I think it's a very important passage. It's, 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 it's healthy for a church to consider as a church family, as a body together, what is the purpose of our church and what does it mean to be a worker in the ministry? Shall we look together at Ephesians chapter 4? Let's start in verse number 1 and just jump right in here to the Word of God, which we base our church upon. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. I love that. Walk. I mean, it's the idea that the Christian life is a walk. It's the idea that I don't have it all together. He's still working on me. I've got a long way to go. I'm taking some steps in the right direction. I see some measured growth over the years in my Christian life. The Christian life is a walk. You don't get there at once. You don't get there all at once. With that being said, he says, I want you to walk this way. Here's the way I want you to walk. In a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So there's this worthy walk. It's a process. It's the idea of walking worthy of Jesus Christ. Reflecting who you are and whose you are in Jesus Christ. This is a walk that all of us are taking, a journey together, including this morning service. He says, do it with all humility. Make sure to walk with gentleness. This is the, the characteristics of a worthy walk. Do it with patience. You have to have patience to bear one another in love. And then he says, be eager. Be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In other words, in order to have a worthy walk, you have to, have a, you have to conduct yourself in a certain manner. There's a certain way that a Christian needs to conduct themselves. We need to handle things in a certain way. We must be concerned about the unity of the body. And this morning, that's my, my main concern. One of my main concerns is to make sure that all of us understand the importance of being together, of growing together, of working together, of serving together, of loving one another. How much hurt in the body of Christ comes from wounds that have been inflicted by fellow soldiers. It's amazing. But it's true. And most of those wounds that have been inflicted by other Christians to Christians are not over doctrine. It's not over what we believe. It's over, well, that's just my opinion. This is the way that I think we should do it. And if you don't like it, then... And we end up arguing and inflicting wounds and hurting one another over things that really aren't all that important. And Paul says here, I want you to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace with humility, with gentleness, with patience. There is one body. He says, this is what I want you to rally around. I love this. There's one body. There's one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. I mean, it's like a, it's just like a motivating speech he gives here. He's over all. He's through all. He's in all. Amen. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Wow. But remember, he said, I want you to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. But look at verse number 7. But. In other words, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But. Let me tell you, that's not as easy as it sounds. He goes on to say, but, but grace, here's what makes it really difficult to keep the unity. 
The fact that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So here's what I'd like to do for just a moment, give you four things. And these four things are going to have something to do with growing towards the work of the ministry. And number one is this, there's a challenge. And the challenge to unity is diversity. We're all different. We're not all the same. And that's what makes unity difficult is you're not all like me. I say that, I'm glad a few of you laughed. Because <laughs> I did mean that as a joke, okay? Whenever I do this, <laughs> you know I'm trying to have fun, all right? Look at verse 7 again. But grace was given to each one. Every single person has been given something. He's talking here about a spiritual gift that is given to each person at conversion, and he calls it grace. He said, we've been given each one this gift according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And there's a New Testament passage that summarizes this. It's a beautiful passage, and we're not going to take time this morning to talk about each individual gift, but I'd like for you to see the passage, if you would. It'll help you. And I'm not speaking on spiritual gifts this morning. That's not the purpose of the message. But it's understanding that we've all been given a variety of these things. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. And it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, sisters, I I do want you to be informed. I don't want you to be uninformed. Verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, unity. There's a variety of service, but, but, but the same Lord, There's a variety of activities, but but it's the same God, Spirit, Jesus, who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the work of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. This is the challenge. The challenge to unity is diversity because we are all different. All of us here this morning have a specific gift. We have something that is uniquely given to us. And so here this morning, we have this challenge to find a way to fit that gift into the body of Christ and work well and work in love with one another. He goes on to say in Ephesians 4, our text in verse number 7 again, This grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, now here's a reference in the Old Testament that points to Jesus. I love these references in the the New Testament that quote the Old Testament because the Old Testament points to Jesus. Amen? So here it is. Psalm 68. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. In other words, he's describing here a practice of of, of, of victory, a celebration. Something good has happened, and so there is going to be a celebration. He ascended on high. He led a host of captives. In the Old Testament, there would have been these parades, these celebrations after a victory, much like David and Saul, or Saul and David, when they paraded through the streets. You know, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And so there's this victory celebration. 
And he's describing a practice about victory, but now he's describing Jesus in that same way. He came to earth, he died as an atoning sacrifice, he rose from the dead, he went back and ascended into heaven, and when he did that, he gave some gifts. He gave some gifts. You have a gift. A variety of different enablements that are all wrapped up in a gift that is yours. It's really cool. It's mine. We have this gift. And then there's this little, they call it an asai. It's like, a, it's like having a conversation and you remember something that you want to say. You ever done that? You ever been in a conversation and you're talking and you're flowing and it's going really good and you say, oh, oh wait, that reminds me. And so we come to kind of a, that reminds me statement here. Look at it. It's in parentheses. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions the earth. In other words, don't think of the gift as some high place. Don't, don't, think, don't, don't think too haughty about having this gift. Jesus didn't go high immediately. Remember, before Jesus went high, he went low. Before he celebrated the victory of the resurrection, there had to be a crucifixion and a death. Before the victory celebration, there is work. You know, sometimes I think as Christians, we want the crown without the cross. But that's not possible. And so Jesus gave us these gifts that we might roll up our sleeves and get busy in kingdom responsibility. For John chapter 9 and verse 4 says that we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. And so I challenge you this morning as we discover this idea of before he ascended, he descended. And as a follower of Jesus Christ... You and I have to do the same thing. God has given you, God has given me a capacity to work and to serve in the kingdom. And guess what? He expects for us to use our gifts. It's a beautiful thing. This life is our opportunity to roll up our sleeves and work for the kingdom. And by the way, here's another opportunity. Hey Gospel Light, John Schroeder here, uh, one of your deacons, uh, actually deacon over lawn care. And I just want to talk to you about being in the work of the ministry. Pastor Capace is going to be talking about that a lot. And being in the work of the ministry is very important. So if you're blessed with any lawn equipment or anything like that, and you're a man or you have uh, sons or even daughters that would want to come help with the uh, lawn care ministry, please do that. You can contact me at any time through the church. Uh, or you can come see me after the service, but we'd love to have you join us in the work of the ministry. Guys, let's be the hands and feet for gospel light. God bless and have a good day. Amen. So here's an opportunity. Here's someone who is a deacon who serves in a capacity where he is helping to lead other servants in the church who might enjoy and have, it's a good fit. I mean, I love to work on my lawn. I, I, I love it. It's something I'm good at. I've got a pretty good, this is the kind of fit it, but there might be somebody saying here, man, listen, if I used a lawnmower, I'd probably kill myself. May not be a good fit. But that's what's beautiful. Listen, it can be difficult sometimes to have unity because we are all so different. But how lame would it be if we were all the same? How lame would that be? If everybody here was mercy, can you imagine? Would not be a good thing if everybody, if everybody here was leadership. Everybody had the gift of leadership. 
Can you imagine the chaos we would have? My, my point is this. What makes the body of Christ really beautiful is the diversity, but also what makes it really difficult is diversity. But the way that we all fit together is awesome because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is able to make us one. And we can work together and have unity as he works through us and in us. And so the challenge to unity is diversity. And that brings me to my second thought. And that is this, that the purpose of diversity is ministry. God made us, get this, he made us all different. So more could happen. So more could be done. And then he would get all the glory. It's beautiful. In other words, we can get more done because we're different. And God gets all the glory for it. And notice, if you would, in our text as we move through it, verse 11, there in Ephesians 4. He's already listed a number of gifts. Now he lists a number of people in the church who help to equip the saints for the ministry. He says he gives some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and shepherds and, and teachers. And he gives these people the opportunity, the responsibility to lead, to oversee, to guide the church. It's interesting, but one of the things that has really helped mature our church is a greater understanding of a plurality of leadership. And again, this morning, I'm not speaking individually on all of these subjects. I'm just, I'm speaking mainly on understanding the work of the ministry. But part of understanding that is realizing that there are people in the church who have this, they have this role And the role of the pastors and the role of the shepherds, the number one role they have, the the responsibility that the teachers have, or look at it, to equip. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. It's kind of interesting that it doesn't say that these people are to do the work of the ministry. Rather, it says they are to equip people to do the work of the ministry. Now, for a minute, somebody may be sitting out here, especially if you don't know me, you might be thinking, this guy's trying to get out of his work. He's supposed to, he's supposed to do a lot more than he's probably wanting to do, so he's trying to make us do it. Not at all. I promise you. If you know me at all, you know that my problem is I've not been very good at equipping you. It's been a very weak area of my life because I, I like to work. Everybody, everything that's announced, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. John Schroeder already said he needs some people in the lawn work. I'm thinking, i got a weed eater. I live three blocks away. I'm joining that ministry. I'm in. I'm not excusing pastors and leaders and teachers from, from being involved. But I'm saying this. They're, okay, a healthy church is not when the pastors are doing all of this ministry. A healthy church is when the congregation is doing all of the ministry. And the pastors and the elders and the teachers are equipping them to do it. I've never preached like this on this subject before in 29 years of ministry. I've never approached it like this. I, I, I've been more of a, you know, here, here of a need. Well, let's announce it. Let, let's see if we can find somebody. Let's beg somebody. Let's guilt somebody. I'm, not, I'm, I'm being a little bit overboard, but the illustration is to exaggerate, to make a point, is that there is no pressure. There is no guilt. It is simply just to equip you with some information so that you can identify your gift 
and become a healthy part of the body of Christ. It's exciting. It's actually what I'm supposed to do. In our church, again, why did I put that word understanding in the title? Because it's the most important word this morning. It's how we grow. We begin to understand the work of the ministry and how the elders and and the deacons and even the small group leaders are facilitating some of the work of the ministry. We're, we're, We're handling an entirely different way than we did in the past. We're we're, we're trying to equip you with, by giving you deacons, 14 of them. And these deacons are really great guys. And, and they have all these different, you know, little areas. Like, for instance, one of the, it may sound silly, but one of our deacons is literally the deacon over small projects. <laughs> you say, what do you mean small projects? Well, like, I was walking down the stairwell the other day, and, and there was a screw sticking out from the construction that we missed, and and, and, and I, and I kind of tore my pants a little bit coming down the stairs. And so I texted the deacon over small projects, Mike Griffith. And I said, hey, Mike, would you mind? Uh, and I took a picture of it with my phone. I said, you mind, would you mind making sure this gets done? I wasn't, I mean, maybe I could have done it. Maybe I could. I, I'm not really good at that kind of stuff. But I, I might have could have figured it out. But I, Mike's been equipped. He's been given a test. Now, Mike may have asked, you may be thinking, well, he actually called me to do it. He may have, and that's part of what he's supposed to do. In fact, if a deacon is doing his job well, he's not doing everything. Rather, he's asking others to help join him in doing it who have a good fit for that, a gift for that, a passion for it. And some of these videos are to identify your passion. If if you say, you know what, I really do love children. I just haven't done it in a while, and I don't, what do you got to do to sign up? Hey, identify that face and find out if that, you know, what does it take to get involved in it? What are the opportunities? What are the times? How often do I have to do it? This is just awareness and equipping of the saints. Would you like to see another opportunity? Check this one out. Hello, church family. My name is Troy Brazel. I'm one of the deacons here at gospel light and along with my wife candace we serve in our many lights ministry which is birth through kindergarten in that ministry we focus on three things god loves you god created you and jesus wants to be our friend forever we would love for you to connect with your inner child to be a part of glitter and glue and colors in a creative way to teach our young children about God's awesome love. We'd love to connect with you. I'll be in the Kids Light building between services and after if you want to connect with me. Thank you. Awesome. Somebody here today might be thinking, connect with my inner child? (laughs) That ain't me for sure. Glitter, glue. Man, if I get on the ground, I won't be able to get up. That's okay. We're all different. We're all different seasons of life. But I guarantee you there's somebody here today that said, man, that sounds so cool. I would love that. You see, these are opportunities that God is giving us. And I wonder, as I look at my pastors and and pastoring now for these 29 years, and I begin to mature and grow as a pastor. And again, I'm still not there. I'm growing. I've still got a long way to go. You might be, that may discourage you, but I, you know, he's still working on me, okay? And I'm still... Uh, you know, I don't count myself to have apprehended at all. But when I look back at my his, the historical leadership that I've provided for you, and it's, it's gotten so much better with, with elders and deacons and, and the different changes we've made over the past years. But in the past, I look back and I can see things that were there instead of equipping. 
I'm going to give you four of them. I'm giving you four things, four, four things churches do instead of equipping. And number one may shock you, but I'm going to give it to you. It's called evangelizing. I think sometimes churches put such an emphasis on evangelizing that every Sunday morning, everybody gathers, and many times it's the people, same people every week, especially if we are plateauing and declining in 80 to 85% of churches, and all we do is just evangelize the saints. You know, I mean, everybody in the building say it, but every Sunday we preach the same kind of a message, just a different way, and we give an invitation, and we try to get people to be baptized. And I'm saying that as I look back, I think that that, that was something that, that I may have been guilty of as a leader is equipping you with evangelizing but, but not equipping you for the work of the ministry. I, I, I used to be afraid not, not, not to preach on Sunday mornings messages that were very much connected to each other versus just preaching something like this that's scriptural, it's biblical, and it, it's what we need this morning. And another thing that I think that I possibly taught instead of equipping, or maybe I was guilty of, was entertaining. You know, there's nothing wrong with laughing in church and telling a joke and having a good time. And, but I think sometimes I have been guilty, and I know that I've been in services here, that I, I, I remember sitting there thinking, wow, this is really funny, and we're having a good time, and we're laughing the whole time, and the preacher's like, you know, <laughs> and he's, you ever hear those kind of preachers? They do a lot of funny things. They breathe heavy and they get loud and they snort and it, it's all good i mean i used to do some snorting myself not snorting drugs but snorting like you know <laughs> and we do these crazy things and then at lunch that's all my family would talk about you know he was funny i counted he snorted 17 times some of the anything else out oh, i was too busy counting the snorts Hey, past dad, dad, the message would have been better if he would have told a joke to introduce it. In fact, even in homiletics times, sometimes I would teach, you know, and always, always make people laugh before you start preaching. And there's nothing wrong with laughing and telling a joke. And some, if a preacher does it that's visiting here, laugh, please don't think. He's not equipping. <laughs> not preaching against laughing, snorting, coughing, whatever. I'm just simply saying that I think I have been guilty of focusing more on making sure that when you walked out, you had a good time. That's all. Number three, something else that I think I may have been guilty of is, and may still be at times, educating, evangelizing, and entertaining, and educating. I mean, listen, churches where the majority of the congregation has a, a big, fat Bible head, I mean, we walk around, well, I go to church, I know a lot. But we never practice what we know. We never use the things that God's given us to know to actually do. That's not helpful. And then maybe a fourth thing would be empathize, empathizing. Where the church just becomes one big hospital. Where we just bleed on one another and it's all, you know, it's just, it's just all this kind of a touchy-feely type of a thing and we lose the mentality that Scripture often teaches as well where there's this balance. I mean, we are soldiers in an army and we have a, a job to do and a work to do and it's almost as if we are just afraid to challenge one another to get in the trenches. And so, 
the purpose of diversity is ministry. And then number three, the purpose of ministry is maturity. And it's in our text. We want you to grow up. I want to grow up and mature in Christ. Look at our text in verse number 13. It's so, it's so clear. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's just break that down for just a moment and give you three characteristics of unity in the, in the text. It's all there. Number one, we see here that there is an understanding of the unity of faith. The unity of the faith. Knowing what the Bible really teaches and learning it together. Amen? Growing up in the unity of the faith, where we have a rock-solid faith, where we are maturing in the Word of God. We're getting to know Jesus through the Word. And, and, And the emphasis is on the Word of God and preaching and teaching the Bible through our corporate gatherings, through our small groups and Bible studies and discipleship. That's what that's all about, the unity of the faith. We need that. Secondly, he says here, the knowledge of the Son of God. To know Jesus Christ. This, my friend, is a characteristic of unity. As we know Jesus and we understand Jesus and we, 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 are, we are emphasizing Jesus. We're talking more about Jesus than anything else. Amen. I know it's an old song. Sometimes those old songs pop into my old head. Let's talk about Jesus. The King of kings is he. The Lord of lords supreme throughout eternity. Forgot the rest. <laughs> but you know, it's a great song. And, and these, these songs about Jesus, I love to lift up Jesus. Don't you love it? And this is the purpose, the knowledge of the Son of God. And then thirdly, he talks about mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I just simply jot it down. Becoming more like Jesus. It's a process. But this is what it takes to have a worthy walk. Where someone in the community begins to say about you, about me, I can see Jesus in them. I can see Jesus in them. The purpose of the ministry is maturity. And then finally, the purpose of maturity is your own protection. As we mature, we are not swayed by every YouTube video that comes out. I feel as if we are in this season of YouTube video theology. And it changes every week. And I'm getting more YouTube videos than I am scriptures or podcasts. You know, did you see this preacher? Did you listen to this guy? Did you listen to this prophecy? And I get it. It's interesting. We're infatuated by these things. I am not actually getting on anybody here this morning other than simply saying, look at what scripture says and let's just connect with the word of God this morning. Not YouTube for a minute. Not Facebook, not Twitter, not any of that. Let's connect with God's word. So that we may no longer be children. Spiritual infants. You know when you're a baby, you're very vulnerable. When you don't know God's word, you are very vulnerable. (laughs) You leave a baby out for a while and don't pay any attention to it, just leave it alone, it's going to mess on itself and it's going to be a mess. You leave a Christian all alone, just leave him to themselves to figure it out, and it's going to be a mess. Jesus says, this is not what we should be doing as a church. The goal is that we no longer be children. 
were tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Isn't that a nice truth? Boy, that's... I don't know who the guy is, but you know, that makes sense. I think, you know, I'll start listening to that every week and instead of going to church. I mean, he's, he's, it's more interesting. You know, and we begin to just be swayed by, by every wind of doctrine and things become interesting to us. And, and, and so we follow this and that and the other. And then it says here, by, by human cunning, this speaks of those who just take from people. They're able to, they're just shysters. Ultimately, what they want is you to follow them. That's what they're after. So they'll say anything. And then it says here, by craftiness. That word means the ability to make error look like truth. And then it says in deceitful schemes. Just because somebody calls themselves a pastor doesn't mean they are preaching the truth. Many are deceitful in their schemes of trying to get followers and, 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 and create an environment where they can become, you know, famous. I'm simply saying, not thinking of anyone in particular, but this is what Scripture says. I want you, the desire is that you would mature for your own protection. Rather, he says, don't do those things. Rather, here it is, speak, here's the goal, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. What a passage. Oh, awesome. From whom, that's Jesus, the whole body, that's me and you, joined. Now, this is beautiful, church. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly. Here's what happens. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Man, I love that. Because at the end of the day, the singular test of our maturity is that we are growing in love for one another. If we're not doing that, church, something's wrong. That's the goal. The unity of the bond of the Spirit. The purpose of ministry is for your protection. And as we grow up, then we stand on solid ground and we begin to reproduce our lives in the lives of others. That's what this is. Discipleship. Reproducing our lives in the lives of someone else. It's an amazing thing. So let's take time as we kind of move to the closing. And let me give you a fourth opportunity Let me make you aware of something else. The work of the ministry. Good morning, church. I'm Brad Cranston, your deacon with the media department. And this has been just a phenomenal sermon on the work of the ministry. The media department here is focused on communicating the gospel to you and around the world through our different social media platforms as well as here in the service. We have a photographer that's capturing all the special moments. We control the screen up here as well as the sound and the lighting. And of course our services are online and uh, we try to get that out to uh, to the world as, as easily as possible for you. So we have cameramen here in the service as well as a producer in the back and a sound technician just always trying to maximize your experience. So that way in all of this we can glorify God and that can be the focus of our time together. Church, if this is an area 
or God has gifted you. If this is something that you're interested in, you'd like to serve in our media department, I'd encourage you to come talk to me. I'm up in the sound booth just about every single service, and I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Brad. Wow, what an opportunity that is. Let's review, shall we? Can we review to conclude? Here it is. The challenge to unity is diversity. We're all so different. In fact, if I were to get four people up here, and I almost did it, they just put them across the stage, I guarantee you Jerome is different than, than, than Pastor Eric. He's different. But that's what makes our congregation so beautiful. That's what makes it so great. I love the diversity that we have here. Not just in the color of our skin. That's not what God's looking at at all. But in the gifting, Jerome, that, that you have and that I have. It's beautiful. And then we think about maybe, you know, the difference between a Parker Gravit and a Jerry. Where's Jerry? Is he here? In the balcony. Jerry, two college students, both basically at the same, in the same grade in college, but different giftings. We need them both. Parker's coaching basketball. Jerry's got gifts that he's using right now in the media department. Man, I love it. I love how God's using our college students in our ministry again. Isn't it exciting? We're all different. We all bring different things to the table. But the challenge is, is that we are different. And then the purpose of diversity is ministry. Because God made us all different so that ministry could actually happen. And then the purpose of ministry is maturity. Do we do what we do so people can grow up and mature in Christ? And then the purpose of maturity is protection. Because we are so vulnerable if we remain baby Christians. But let's grow up and so we can stand on solid ground. I want to make this statement. I will not mature as a Christian without significant ministry involvement. I will not mature as a Christian without significant ministry involvement. Now, don't let that discourage you. And I'm not talking about, well, am I supposed to work a job for 40 hours a week and then work at the church for 40 hours a week? No. Significant ministry involvement may... as. Pastor Butch mentioned even in his, in, in his testimony before the offering. It's about a lot of things. It's being a good steward of, of your job, of your time, of your family, of your finances, but also of your church membership. Being a good steward of that. Understanding that, that shouldering kingdom responsibility is a, is, a, is a big responsibility for all of us. Find a ministry that fits your gift and get involved. Get involved in shouldering a weekly kingdom responsibility. It's really not about figuring out how we can know more stuff. I need to take what I know and start giving it to other people. And so in closing, before we give this response, let's hear from one more of our ministry leaders so we can grow in our understanding of ministry. Good morning, Gospel Light. Craig Connor, your small group pastor. Uh, this morning we're talking about the work of the ministry. I believe with all my heart that if we are going to do the work of the ministry effectively in a way that glorifies God, we need to be a part of communities around us that equip us to do so. And uh, that's what our small groups are. That's what our purpose is. That's what we want to accomplish in Gospel Light. We want to give everybody an opportunity to get part of a community that doesn't just equip you to know, but equips you to do. So if you're not a part of one of our small groups, I would encourage you to get a part of one as quickly as possible. If you don't know how to do that, you can do that through our Church Center app, 
Or you can just come talk to me after the service. I'll be at the front doors um, and uh, I'll get you connected today. I hope that you would consider joining one of our small groups so that you and I can work together to glorify God and to fulfill the purpose God gave us on this earth. Love that. That last line is really why we put Craig last because of what he said, to fulfill the purpose of why God put us here on this earth. It's more than just knowing a bunch of stuff. It's about doing. Because the night's coming when no man can work. And you know, there's a real life person on the stage and it's the guy that just did the video. These people are real. They actually sit in the pews. They work in the ministry. They're accessible. They're available. So I confess to you, church, that I haven't been the best pastor for 29 years. I'm a work in progress. I've probably made people feel guilty in the past about not being involved. And I I know that I've not handled it right every time in all these years. But I tell you something, I'm learning. My job is to equip you, inform you, make you aware of opportunities so that you can have the greatest opportunity to prepare for that judgment seat when we'll give an account for what we did with the gifts that God gave us, that he equipped us with. These are just a few of the opportunities. I pray that maybe in this response time, you would take a moment to pray. Pray for God to give you a passion about your gift. A passion enough to go to somebody and say, hey, my name is, and I'd like to sit down and talk to you more about that ministry, about how I can be involved, how I can come alongside and help you, Joe or Troy or John or Brad or Darian in the first impression. I mean, there's so many. I I didn't have time to do a video on everybody. But I'm excited. I'm so excited about how this year is starting off. I don't know. I just feel that there's revival in the air. And it's not so much a national revival as it is just a local church revival happening prayerfully in more churches than, than we know. But may we be a church that is not in that 80 to 85%. Plateauing and declining, but thriving and equipping saints, you, for the work of the ministry until Jesus comes while there's still time. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I love you. God, I thank you for this amazing church. God, for how you're growing us, how you're helping us to understand that the Christian life is a walk. It's a walk that we've not, none of us, including me, have have finished that walk. We're we're still a work in progress. But we see growth. We see measured growth. We, we, We were farther than we were last year. As a church, as a family, and prayerfully, God, as an individual, we're growing. But God, we need passion. We need passion that goes beyond an emotion stirred at church. But a passion that is willing to take the time and effort to pray about this and and to move forward and connect at a deeper level than just Sunday morning. So God, work in us, work in me, work in us. May May this truth have come across in love. May it be accepted in in humility. And may we today exhibit a Christ-likeness in the ministry. I love you and I love these people. And I pray that you bless as we respond to the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?